wheels make me wanna shout. Kick your heels up and shout. Throw your hands Welcome back, listeners, to yet another exciting episode of Bills and Beers, the Buffalo Bills preview podcast here from the Bills backers of Chicago, Illinois. We're coming off another great win, staying at home against the San Diego Chargers this week. We're really excited about the game. I'm Lars. It's the full Bills and Beers crew. Joining me, Bill Nichols is here. Holla! To Bill's immediate right is the lovely Miss Cassie Hutton. Number four in the house. And of course, uh, Sujit, the president of the Chicago Bills backers, also with us tonight as well. I'd like to say goodbye to Jonathan Nukes. And if you're joining us for the first time, BillsandBeers.com, best way to stay in touch with us. You can find us on iTunes, subscribe. We've got a lot to talk about. We love talking to you. So tell everybody in Bills Nation, all your friends, family, everybody who cheers for these wonderful Buffalo Bills to download our podcast so we can keep it coming to you each and every week. We're not going to waste any time because we're super pumped up about what this team's doing these days. We're going to get right into it. Let's go now. Stand up now, come on and shout. Yeah, 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 yeah. Say you will. Shout it right now, baby. Well, it was an exciting week in Bills Nation last week with the uh, sale of the team to the Bahula family, Jim Kelly being announced cancer-free, the boys coming back to Ralph Wilson for the first time in 2014. It was a festive affair for the home opener against longtime rivals, the Miami Dolphins, and the boys took it to them, beating them 29-10. We certainly were excited to watch it here in Chicago. There was a lot to talk about in this game. There's a lot to be happy about, especially starting 2-0 with a win in the division. But as we do every week, this is Bills and Beers. we got to talk about some of the negative things that happened. And Cass, we're going to start with you first, since we haven't got to hear from you in a couple weeks. Cassie, who is your Jenny Cream Ale bummer of Sunday's game? So, not to point fingers, but I've got to point a finger right at myself. Oh. Because I was absent for the game. Boo. That's true. And Oof. and sorely missed. Sorely missed. I had to watch the first half on an iPad reading about the plays, and I caught like the last eight minutes of the fourth quarter. So those guys were there at the game. You guys were there. Before we go any further, explain yourself. I was uh, I was in Montreal for a... Uh, Which is suspiciously wait, wait, close wait, to wait, Toronto. Wait, hold on. Yeah, it's suspiciously close to Toronto, but did you notice the... I was in Montreal for a... Uh, uh, festive weekend of partying and celebrations. Girl was blackout drunk for four days. <laughs> During Bill season. Interesting. Okay, your fandom is, is hereby on notice. So agree. you were the bummer of the week for Bill's Nation. Okay, I can stand by that. It's going to be tough to find a better one. Sujit, we didn't hear from you last week either. You were with us at the game having a good time. Who was your Jenny Cremail bummer of Sunday's game? Um, I'm going to go with... There are two, but it's just the general interior linemen. Not our, not our center... But I'm going to have to go with both of our guards. Okay. Uh, I'm both completely disgusted with all of our running up the middle. I feel like we are... The only time we actually get any room is when... When we're running up towards the line, not going a pitch or anything like that, is when we get space inside of our tackles. Um, But anything running between... like. On the inside of our guards is just not going anywhere. Well, we're recording this podcast on a Tuesday, so a lot of the All-22 reviews have come out. And I like that a lot of the local guys attach vines to the individual plays they're seeing. And boy, oh boy, Chris Williams had some brutal plays, just getting totally blown up. There was a run in the red zone to Freddie Jackson where he got stuffed in the backfield. It for no other reason than because Chris Williams was pushed three yards behind the line of scrimmage at the moment the ball was snapped. 
It was it was a uh, signing in the offseason that was maligned. Not a lot of people were happy with it because he was bad in Chicago, bad in St. Louis, and I'm with you, Sujit, so far in Buffalo. He's been bad here, too. Bill, do you have a Jenny Cremail bummer of Sunday's game? You know, the name that pops up in my head first is Stefan Gilmore. Hmm. Interesting. Hmm. And uh, it's uh, for the reason that Stefan Gilmore is supposed to be a shutdown corner. And frankly, he's not playing like it. Well, they only went to him five times, though. Yeah, it's, it's a yeah, question. They scored of... a touchdown on him. Well, okay, on a spectacular catch. Yeah, where the guy didn't turn around and play like a shutdown corner. Okay. Yeah, All I right. mean, I All guess right. it, it, it's two sides of the same coin, right? You could say that, well, they didn't throw at him, so he must have been covering really well. Um, now, he was covering, what, Hartline, who's a pretty good receiver. And Wallace. Yeah. It was Wallace um, who got the touchdown on him. And so, right. And then and that was it was a spectacular catch, without a doubt, but he was completely out of position no, to make a play. That was a good play. play on that was it, definitely but, a good play. Um, but no, I, we, I think we were both talking about the fact that, yeah, if he turns his head, he has an opportunity to make a play on the ball. Now, granted, given that play, he probably wasn't going to, but if that pass was anywhere else, had he turned his head, he would have been able to. I just expect more out of him. And I haven't seen it yet. And that's totally fair. And that's that is very much a prevailing opinion throughout Bills Nation. Um, and we heard it during the preseason with Cyrus Quanjo, with tackle being oh, one of those so positions bad. that you don't notice until you notice, and you only notice when things are going wrong. And unfortunately, that's the only time we see Stephon Gilmore is when he's running five yards behind the guy who just caught the ball. And I'm I'm inclined to agree with you. There's a little bit of frustration there, if for no other reason, because he was a first round pick. Uh, I'm going to go with a player who's been mentioned on this podcast before and I, I think still remains number one in the power rankings of Bill's players we'd like to see mic'd up. I'm talking, of course, about Lee Smith, oh, who, who managed to accomplish the seemingly impossible in getting flagged for an unsportsmanlike conduct penalty when he wasn't even suited up to play in the yeah. game. Now, for the new listeners, he is atop the we'd like to see you mic'd up power rankings because Lee Smith draws more 15-yard penalties <laughs> than anybody else. I don't know what that guy is saying out there, and I don't know who he's saying it to, and I don't know what he's doing it when he says it, but he manages to piss people off, and he managed to piss off the referees on Sunday without even putting on his shoulder pads. So, Lee Smith, congratulations. You've reached not only an all-time low for Buffalo Bills football, but for the professional football league, world, whatever, in general. That was pretty bad. And it's, it's kind of tough to complain about a, a performance where we completely smoke the fins 29-10. to 10. So, with that in mind, Bill, I'm coming right back to you. Bring it. Who is your Labatt Blue MVP? Of Sunday's game. Now take your time because there's many, many to choose from. I don't need to take my time. I'm going straight for the one guy that uh, I have doubted, that I complain about all the time, and that I said before the game, I hope he, or I wouldn't mind if he was not on our team next year, and that is CJ Spiller. Wow. Uh, clearly okay. a nice. difference. I mean, uh, he, he played on Sunday like we've expected him to play where he was a, 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 a playmaker, a difference maker. Uh, well, yeah, it's hard, to, it's hard to argue to the contrary when he has a 47-yard run and a 102-yard kick return for a touchdown, which in a lot of ways iced the game. Yeah. I mean, it was... So, I mean, you do, not, you do nothing else, and you're already changing the dynamic of the, ga of the game by you know, having, those, having those big plays, so... And something I saw today, either 62 or 63% of all yards from scrimmage, not even counting the kickoff return, or maybe it was, maybe it was all-purpose yards, either way, 
went to our Clemson boys, our first-round draft picks, C.J. Spiller and Sammy Watkins. I imagine his name's about to be mentioned. Cass, coming over to you, I know you didn't get to see it. You probably read the box score. I, I, I did, and I did see eight minutes of the end of the game, and there were a few stellar plays by McKelvin. Ooh. He actually turned around, mm-hmm. watched a ball come in, and batted it away. I had to pause and be like, Whoa, wait, who made that? That's not McKelvin. There's no way that's... Whoa. Can and I, then he made the pick. Can so I, Can I add an MVP part B sure. to yours? Because he's been doing this now for a season and two games, and I think all credit be to Donnie Henderson, the defensive backs coach who came in and made a new man out of Leotis McKelvin. Yes. And yes. Aaron Williams. And Aaron Williams. And, and Denora Searcy. Who mm-hmm. had arguably one of the and best? And not Nikel Roby. Okay. Yeah. Oh, Nikel Roby. God, I love him. Oh, Nikel Roby, you are. Mm, we mm. thought we thought that he was going to crush Tannehill at one mm. point, right? Oh, every time he lined up the blitz, I was just oh. getting giddy because I, I got to see in person him sack Tannehill twice yeah. in Week 16 last year. No, man, but uh, I was going to say that Dave Wanstad's probably are, are definitely definitely <laughs> the, <laughs> the bad blue player. <laughs> I mean, not being for no other reason. By contrast, I mean, he makes us look so good <laughs> by how bad we used to be. With I mean, the same players, so basically. I, I'm, I'm, I'm going to piggyback on that, and I'm going to give my Labatt Blue MVP not to not to uh, oh, not Dave Schwartz. Uh, what, why, Jim, Schwartz. Jim Schwartz. Schwartz. God, Dave Schwartz. What do you get Dave Schwartz from? I was screwing you up. No, not yeah. to Jim Schwartz. No, I'm no, giving no, you're going to give it to. I'm going to give it to Doug Marone. Oh, Yes. Hey. I like it. I like hey. that. And I'm, I'm going to give okay. It, I'm going to give it to Doug Marone, and this is going to be somewhat of a shout out to a bygone member of the Bills and Beers crew. I'm talking, of course, about Jam and Jeff Day, who's in Minneapolis right now, cannot join us. Who has said for the longest time that this team lacks identity? Well, through two weeks. Well, I know you've been saying it too. Okay, yeah. Well, you can't make silent gestures on a podcast that does nothing for our <laughs> listeners, so I got to cue him in. Billy, Billy was really taken yeah, aback by I mean, that. I've, yeah, I've definitely been the one who has been, who has touted forever about our lack of identity. Okay, fine. It's not you and Jeff. Jeff. Okay, fine. No. Right. Jeff, Jeff, right, Jeff said nothing about that. Jeff hasn't been on this podcast in four years. That's true. Kid's a joke. Doug Marone has set oh, the tone for this football team. <laughs> too soon. And right now, through two weeks, we have an identity, and that identity has made itself. Crystal clear, empirically, on the injury report that our opponents have been turning in the day after they have to play the Buffalo Bills. Okay. Because we are beating players up. (laughs) There was a thread on the stadium wall. Suj, I know you saw it. Your favorite Bills hit from Sunday against the Dolphins because there were at least three you could nominate. We are now having to pick through. We used to go through an entire season and have, hey, remember that one time we had a solid hit on a guy? We had three guys completely light up our opponent on Sunday. We had Brandon Spikes lay the wood right at the beginning of the game on Tannehill. Maybe should have been a helmet-to-helmet and probably cost us 15 yards, but it didn't. We had Nigel Bradham completely blow up one of their receivers. And then later in the game, we had Robert Woods, who was a little bit quiet on offense, completely destroy, I think it was their uh, punt returner, yeah, kick up yeah. yeah. Either way, it was a special teams hit that you could feel all the way here in Chicago. This team beats players up. They go out and they make their opponents earn the money. I love it. And you heard it from Mike Wallace. Afterwards, he said, that team is intense. Every play. They didn't take a single playoff. They were bringing it. They were hooting and hollering. They were pumped up. And it was really hard to match their intensity. And when have we heard that? We've got big, angry, fast, 
scary strong guys out there who are fired up, flying around the field, and punishing our opponents. One voice, one team. I love it. Suge, coming to you last, Labatt Blue, MVP of Sunday's game. I'm going to go with Nathaniel Hackett. Ooh. Wow. Uh, so, because... You know Lars so, likes that. For two weeks, I mean, I've bagged on Nathaniel Hackett so much, but for two weeks in a row now... Everything that I can see wrong with the team that we're coming to play, he's been exploiting. Now, granted, the past two teams have had very similar deficiencies, and that's in their linebacking core. But he's been taking advantage of that with 20-yard passes, you know, 10-yard passes, that type of thing. Basically attacking the middle of the field. He knows we have speed threats on the outside, whether that be Marquise Goodwin or, or, or even Robert Woods for that matter. So they clear out their cornerbacks, and that puts our skill receivers, like Sammy Watkins for that matter, up against linebackers or slot corners who are not their, 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 their number one corners. So there's a reason why all of our passes have been over the middle and only a very few of them have been attempted on the outside and not completed. So I think that Nathaniel Hackett's actually game-planned very, very well. Now, I don't know how much of the game-planning is due to Doug Marone, how much is due to Nathaniel Hackett. But or I the do two know... assistants that we've hired to, to help support Nathaniel Hackett. Right, right, absolutely. But I do know that in-game changes, you know, he's been pretty fluid. Like, there was a little bit of a hiccup um, at the beginning of this game, but that was more on the – sorry, at the second half of this game, but that was more <laughs> yeah. on the defensive side. Right. Um, although, but... although, lest we forget – that that 64-yard touchdown drive came right after a long field goal drive. Yeah. The defense went immediately back on the field after Spiller scored, and they got the touchdown only after a blatant false, false start, start on fourth and three that would have put them at fourth and eight, and they probably would have had to punt. Was Kyle Williams out of the game as well that time? Yeah, we should talk we, about we that. Did, we talked about that a lot on Sunday. The D-line rotation in the second half was nothing shy of aggressive. That Rarely was Hughes, Williams, Williams, and, and Darius all on the line at the same time. And that's okay. I get when you're playing with a lead and you know your opponent's not going to be running the ball, I guess, okay. Um, Brandon yeah. Spikes only played 19 defensive snaps on Sunday. I don't know if if they anticipated the Dolphins getting away from the running attack as soon as Moreno went out. So they, uh, I saw some commentary that they were playing three wide receiver sets for the majority of the game, and so that therefore they had to bring in a slot corner, and but so that, that's why they couldn't. To again, so Spikes doesn't get the run. Who does? Preston Brown. This is two straight games where our rookie Preston Brown, who wasn't supposed to fill in has and has played 100% of the defensive snaps. Tough tough to overlook. Now, it's also tough to overlook the fact that we just went around and nominated four Labatt Blue MVPs and, and nobody <laughs> mentioned Sammy. rookie wide receiver Sammy Watkins having a huge, a huge yeah. turnout party. His first home game in a Buffalo Bills uniform, 117 yards and a touchdown, made some clutch catches, and is playing through pain. He joked with reporters after the game that his ribs aren't hurting. It was clear watching the game that his ribs were hurting. Is Bill, are you still uh, you still questioning this draft pick and everything we gave up to get him? Yeah, gadget player. I think is what I. <laughs> I think that's what we. I think that's what you referred to him as. Listen, guys. <laughs> <laughs> what had We're all ears, was. Bill. We're all ears. Please, please, en- enlighten us. Sometimes you need to doubt things in order for them to actually work out in the end. So we are one and zero in the division, one and zero at home, one and zero on the road, two and zero overall. Uh, I'm two and zero is a nice place to be. I would have been more shocked if we were zero and two, but I'm loving it. And we're back home this week 
against the San Diego Chargers. I think we can expect more of the same from the crowd, who, by the way, also probably should have gotten at least a um, consolation prize yeah. for MVP for what they, the contributions they made. We'll get that done. Let's get that done. Yeah. yeah. They'll be back in full force this week to help us get to 3 0. Let's not down. waste any more time and get in and talk about what we need to expect against these San Diego Chargers. Antonio Gates Antoine. connection that we love to talk about in the national media. Well, that means nothing when your quarterback is getting crushed. <laughs> and that, my friends, is what we're going to see this Sunday. We're oh. going to see that pocket collapse like Philip Rivers has never seen the pocket collapse before. I am loving the attitude, and I, I don't altogether disagree. Because they're going to have to, if they're going to defend Philip Rivers, they're going to need to keep their tight ends in to defend our pass rush. And He's white. <laughs> Gates He's boy, is man. a horrible blocker. So is Ladarius Green. Philip Rivers is one of the most efficient quarterbacks of the last five years. Ryan Fitzpatrick is also efficient. More on that in a second. Their offensive line and their tight ends aren't going to be what prevents our pass rush. It's this dink and dunk small ball that they've gotten away with now. I think they had the ball for, what, 40-odd minutes against Seattle? Oh, thank God they don't have Darren Sproles, though. Oh, jeez. Yeah, he uh, was a beast last night. And, well, they also don't have their starting running back now because Ryan Matthews is out with an MCL sprain. Hmm. So, Are they the ones with Woodhead? No, cool. Yes, and they do have Woodhead. Right. Oh, so, he kills us. Oh, Lord. Yeah, I know. I'm not looking forward to that. Okay. Uh, however, okay, so here's, here's what Can we I have get to a Nigel Bradham will... Nigel Bradham needs to eat that man. I hope he breaks his face. Woodhead's leg. Okay, we all know, though, through, yeah. if Nigel Bradham has a clean shot at Woodhead... He's going to bite him. Yeah, it's going to be... Nigel Bradham, the guy that lives... I mean, all we saw from him was the... The replay over and over in Florida State when he was ejected from the game for completely torpedoing <laughs> that guy into his grave. Um, if he gets a clean shot on Woodhead, and I, I feel the same way about um, Julian Edelman when when that yeah. train rolls around, I'm I'm really hoping that Nigel Bradham gets an opportunity to tee off on some of these guys because the guy lives to punish people. But here's what we're looking at: we're looking if, at if it's not him, it's gonna be Brandon Spikes. If he's on the field in a passing situation. There. We're looking at a team that's going to going to play very efficiently. We're going to we can expect to see a lot of small passes to slow down the pass rush. So I don't know if we're going to be looking for guys like Mikel Roby to jump those routes or what, but get our hands up. The key to winning this game on defense, and again, Jim Schwartz now two weeks in a row has put together a winning game plan defensively. Who's their offensive coordinator? Frank Reich. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I know. Doesn't bode well for Bills wow. Nation. Wow. It's gonna be it's gonna be forcing them into third and long. Why? Because Frank Reich is such an offensive Frank? genius. <laughs> um, Do you yes. think Frank will throw <laughs> one War- game? Ask Warren Moon. Do you think he'll actually throw like like you know subconsciously throw a couple bones our way just because he loves the Buffalo Bills so much? No, and his seven-digit salary is probably preventing him from even thinking that way. I will say though, well, if we can, is, if this, is, is this Frank Reich's first? There's a difference between your so, conscious yes. mind and your subconscious mind, Lars. That's a very good point, Bill. Thank you. Um, the if if we find ourselves facing on defense a lot of third and shorts, it's going to be a long day for this D, um, and we're going to have to be able to score touchdowns, not field goals, from the red zone, so we stay ahead of this team because we cannot let them play the small ball 
that allowed them to beat Seattle. Now, they're playing on the road in Buffalo and not at home this week, so there's a little bit of difference there. But I'm, this is this is an offense and a game plan that is legitimately hard to play. Somebody aptly characterized it today as keep away, and that's exactly what they're going to want to do and take the crowd out of it at the Ralph on Sunday. I think that the way that we have to look at this is that the one difference now is that they don't have their starting running back. So that allows us to at least take one safety or one linebacker and drop them back into coverage, especially that across-the-middle coverage that is characteristic of dink and dunk uh, football. And here's the thing. If they, if they use this as an opportunity to counter that suge by giving Donald Brown, who's a, who's a very good running back, more opportunities to kind of thwart right. that game plan, I think there'll be an adjustment made accordingly. Right. So, I mean, I think that I still think, I mean, there's very few things that I believe our defense doesn't match up against well. Maybe a team that can completely abandon the run and just has that good of a quarterback and wide receiver. I think that's where our team would fail. Well, let's not overlook Keenan Allen. He's the real deal, too. I mean, this, they're, Seattle, excuse me, San Diego has a lot of ways to beat you. And like I said, we've seen two good game plans from Jim Schwartz. This is going to be a tough one. Yeah. This, this yeah. is going to be a really tough game for this defense. And I think, I, the, I think the question is going to come down to, you know, from the start of the game, Frank Reich, as this is his first time as a, as an off, as an offensive coordinator, does he approach is his game plan to first see what the Bills throw at him, and then make an adjustment, or is he just going to go into his attack mode? And I think Jim Schwartz, on the other hand, is just going to know his game plan, stick to his game plan, and then make his adjustments later. I think like he will good. go in on. Attack mode. I think it's a good point. I mean, you think about what it looked like when Chan Gailey first started uh, at, in in Buffalo. Our offense was close to not not unstoppable, but our offense was pretty live, you know. But people didn't have a lot of tape on Chan Gailey's current offense. People don't have a lot of tape on Frank Reich's current offense, and so I think that with two weeks of tape now. People are going to be able to start to see tendencies and, and also just the plays that they're running. And they're going to be able to see how to attack those things. And, and I can tell you, having watched the the Monday night opener, the uh, San Diego-Arizona game, Arizona's game plan was to create pressure and to, to constantly be blitzing, uh, to, to not show blitz. anything pre-snap, basically have 11 guys at the line of scrimmage before every snap. I, I just don't think we're going to see that kind of aggression from Jim Schwartz, but it worked for Arizona. Well, might I say, I think the only way to go toe-to-toe with Rivers and to beat him is to put more points on the board. I totally I, agree The yes. only way I think we'll win is you... That's force, how... force them to... Yes, I totally agree. So. so... So, two things. Two things will come of that if we win this game and if they do it in that style. And I'm with you, Cassie. I'm, I'm thinking that's how they're going to have to win. We can run on San Diego. They have, they have proven themselves to be weak up the middle like our last two opponents. We we can run on them. Although we've we've actually had a pretty middling run attack, save for a couple long runs that we've gotten in both games so far. But you could also argue that that's a product of the consistent running game. However, I don't think that that's what we should be looking to exploit this week. I don't think that we should try to beat them at their own game. I think we need to get them off their offensive game plan by unleashing EJ Manuel. And if that is successful, two things is going to happen in the national media. One, they're going to have to take notice of these bills. They can 
talk about the Bears game as a fluke. Tony Dungy took notice, by the mm, way. He did. Sunday night. Some people are taking notice, particularly of this defense. Peter King. Peter King. Mm-hmm. A lot of guys who saw our, our boys in preseason, or excuse me, in training camp, and came out and said, no, 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 these Buffalo Bills, this is a pretty good roster they've gotten going here. Chris Collinsworth. They can write off the Bears win as a bit of a fluke because, oh, Jay Cutler did his old Jay Cutler things and made mistakes. Okay, fine. Yes, true. Uh, they can also write off the Miami win. Oh, you know, big emotional win at home against, uh, you know, a division opponent. Like, emotion like that will carry you through. But people really tout the San Diego team. And and for good reason. If we beat them, yeah. like we beat Miami, they have to take notice. But, Cassie, if we beat them because we force them to score points, it's because we're going to put the game plan in EJ Manuel's lap. So the other thing we're going to have to hear from the national guys is, boy, EJ Manuel, for once they, quote, asked him to do something. And I'm, I'm sick and tired of that phrase. Well, they haven't asked EJ to do much. Well, who's making the ask? Hello. It's the Buffalo defense because they're not getting behind because EJ Manuel doesn't have to march down the field quickly and score points. So why why who is asking EJ to do anything? Nobody did because they didn't have to because e- the defense is playing well. E- EJ hasn't turned the ball over yet. Well, he has. Wait, did one, one pick in the Bears game. Yeah. Oh, that's right. That's right. He but has. But, 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 that's, overall, he's overall, overall he's, been, his, he's he's what's been dialed up for him to execute in order for us to win, he is done. So I think we've asked him to do something, and he's delivered. And that's a great point. He hasn't, he hasn't been asked to do much. Okay, fine, but he's done everything that he's been asked to do. And my point is, if they ask him to go out and put up 200 yards in the first half, and oh, by the way, he had 155 in the first half against Miami. Nobody's talking about that. It was when they were playing with a lead that they didn't go back to him. And he also didn't play the gross majority of the third quarter because their right. yeah, defense yeah. was out there the whole time. So if they ask EJ Manuel to go out and throw the ball up and down the field and they're successful doing it, I think that's going to put a big dent in the two national narratives around our team. And people are going to have to take notice not only of our defense, but also of what we're capable of doing on offense. It's, but to be honest, I, I still to this point would rather that EJ did not have to do that. So I'm very happy with the way that he's progressive, progressing. I mean, he's completing 20-yard passes on a regular basis. He's got, I think, over eight now. Yeah. Um, and, so, and, his, and that, his and his that long is throws with, were there. But yeah, yeah and he's consistently with, on third and eight getting us 25 yards. Right. And, you know, the difference between this offense from now, this year to last year, is that when we run two yards on first down, two yards on second down, or say, let's say three yards on second down, and we have a third and five, we're actually converting those third downs. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it used to be that if we're not at third and two or third and three, oh no, we still wouldn't convert. We those. would, yeah, well, right, we but I mean, at least them, it was somewhat right? of an easier chance. Yeah. But you know, we're converting them. We're not always converting them with seven yard passes. We're often converting them with twenty yard passes. Um, I mean, like all of our offensive and drives like, have gone down the field. Now, yeah. I am concerned about the red zone offense, but mm. at the same time. We're moving the ball, and the biggest thing that does for our offense. Remember that one year we had that amazing offense. I think it was J.P. Lossman. Um, Ooh, no, we had there the, was no such thing as a year with an amazing offense with J.P. But, uh, amazing, right. amazing, amazing defense. Sorry, yeah. amazing oh, defense okay. with J.P. Lossman, and we would our defense would be lights out, oh. and then our offense would go three and out. It was very similar to last year, to be honest with you. Where our, our our offense, our defense would you know sack the quarterback, get intercepted. That sounds like just about every year from two thousand five to two thousand seven. Well, yeah. Well, there's times when our defense has been horrible too. But but I mean, I guess the 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 flip side of all that is that when you when when you think about what's going on now, even if the offense isn't scoring port, 
points. They're making first downs. They're sustaining drives, yep. which gives our defense some time to run or rest, which allows them to tee off on that on the opposing opponent's offense. Agreed, game. but I don't think that a possession game is one that will win against San Diego and Phillip Rivers. Phillip Rivers almost threw for seventy percent last year, and while I agree with you, like I think that they're going to have to take their shots and not rely on getting to the red zone to get points. They're going to have to score from 50 yards out by throwing bombs to Marquise Goodwin or something else once or twice in this game to really knock the Chargers off their game plan. I don't disagree with you, yeah, Suge. Yeah, yeah, They've yeah. been playing great possession ball, and a lot of that, the stat that shows that is the yards per play, which we have yeah. excelled at this year, and so has EJ. Okay, so let me ask you guys a question. Uh, it's clear that uh, Doug Marone uh, has, in his somehow in his the, the pregame preparation, uh, made some sort of uh, speeches around some kind of theme, right? Like a rallying cry, uh, and it was clear after the first game that that was, you know, our team has never won in Chicago, right? Like you heard multiple players saying like, yeah, you know, this was awesome. Yeah, they knew it. It was the first first they time we won in Chicago. It's mo- you know, multiple players. So it was clear like that was a message that really resonated with all the players that they rallied behind. Game number two, you almost don't even need to speak of it as, yeah. as a coach. Script wrote itself. It's, you know, script wrote itself. You know, Ralph Wilson Stadium, for, you know, home opener, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. If you're Doug Marone, what is your rallying cry like? What are you? How are you riling the team up for this game? What is that theme that you want all of your team, all of your team members to rally around? I mean, it's do it for Jonathan Meeks. <laughs> <laughs> Bill, I think it's two. Yeah. One, which we already mentioned, win this game and people will notice. Okay. But I think two, and I think it's going to be the message. From now through week 17, which is generally we have a lot of work to do, and we're not done yet. And don't be impressed. Don't be satisfied with what you've accomplished yet, because until we have a Lombardi trophy out in the hallway, we haven't done anything. Do you think it's uh, anything about Philip Rivers and, you know, I think talking about... I mean, he was very candid about the Cameron Wake Central Henderson, who I want to get to in a second. Sandro. Matchup. Yeah, Sandro. Um, matchup saying like it was one that didn't favor us so I think he's going to be very candid about this Philip Rivers matchup gentlemen this is a very difficult one for us this is a test we need to go out and we need to go out and you win know, I, I, I'd like to say one thing about Philip Rivers the reason that Philip Rivers is not talked about in the same light as Peyton Manning and 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 um, New Orleans. Tom Brady, Tom Brady Drew Brees Drew Brees is because Philip Rivers if he's been one thing his entire career has been inconsistent He'll play lights out for a season, and then we'll suck for another season. He was NFL play comeback player of the year last year. Comeback player. What does that tell you? Exactly. Right. He, so, took, he I mean, took a dive before he could come right, back Right, exactly. So, you know, I think that if you got Philip Rivers' number, there's a good chance that you got Philip Rivers' number. You know, and so, and maybe he's streaky. Maybe he, you know, goes I think games he at a time. I think he's totally streaky. I've, I've, but who's to say that we're not the end of his streak? You know, he's got a new offensive coordinator. No one's got any tape on that guy. And he's playing in the Ralph. And he's playing in the Ralph at a, at a 9 a.m. game for them. Right. Right? After traveling across the 10 a.m., but yeah. That's right, 10 a.m. Is it 10? Yeah. Yeah. Oh. One. Aren't they three hours? Yep, 10 to 1. That's three. Yeah. Oh, it's one. I'm sorry. I'm so used to us watching noon. Yeah, games. we're yeah, okay, I'm a doctor. I'm a doctor. So, no, um, I, you're, 
Yeah. Your, point is, so good. your point is well taken. And, I, and so many people this week were like, well, we, we just know that Philip Rivers is so much better than Jay Cutler. It's like, no. In fact, I would actually put those two quarterbacks in the exact same bucket because they're... At peak ability, Cutler's better. At average, but at, his, at, his, on average... Philip uh, Rivers Phil is better Rivers because is better, you're yeah. right. Cutler at peak ability is better, but Cutler at his worst is, is way, way worse, worse than yeah. Philip Rivers. However... The rest of Cutler's offense between Forte, Marshall, Jeffries, and Bennett is way better than the weapons that we're going to see this yeah. week, particularly now that Matthews is out. Well, um, we got a lot to get into still. Um, uh, we'll get into predictions, wild card, all that good stuff. It's going to be a fun game. It, the Ralph is going to be rocking. The weather's supposed to be crappy, so that might actually play into our defense's ability to snuff out their passing attack. And to let us run, run, run. And let us run, 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 which, again, I know you say we should do, but unless we can... Well, if they can't throw. If, if we it's can't, windy and wet. If we know. can't get them off the field, we got to score in a hurry yeah. and, and force them to get out of their game plan. But uh, you forget that when we run, it's only running forty yards at a time. <laughs> right? So. Yeah, exactly. Well, All right. Well, let's get right into uh, predictions and wild card. Well, we're coming up on the end of the episode here on Bills and Beers. It's been a fun episode so far. But now that we've reached the end, that can only mean one thing, Bill. It's the wild card. I love the harmony, by the way, between the two of you. I, Ebony, yeah, Ebony and Ivory over here. <laughs> uh, before we before we get into wild card, though, uh, this is Bills and Beers. We've been drinking an assortment of beers tonight. Right now, I am sipping on a Rebel IPA from Sam Adams. Not a bad IPA, all things considered, from a mass producer like Sam Adams. Does anybody else know what's in their glass right now? Don't ever tell people you're drinking a Boston beer. Yeah. Okay. All right. True. All right. All right. True. Bill is enjoying a beautiful Green Bay beer, right? Yeah. Uh, yeah. Wisconsin. Wisconsin. I think it's from Milwaukee. It's from Milwaukee. Oh, all day IPA. Or what was it? It was a Midwestern. It was an all day before your chores IPA. How did you describe it? Uh, yeah. It's uh, it's the it's an IPA you have uh, you know in the middle of the day because you know that there's chores to be done uh, at the end of the day. So. Viking Brewery. Viking, Viking Brewery. Viking Brewery. And Cass is not drinking following her trip to North American Europe, Montreal. Uh, and Suge, what are you sipping on right now? I would have to be sipping on... Some scissor. Labatt Blue. Nice, oh. nice. Betty, and if, and if you're getting a lot of Betty. feedback, it's because my dog Betty keeps bumping the table. That's my... Yes, what? honey, I see you're happy, girl. That's nice. Yep. Uh, this is Bills and Beers. Uh, we do, however, suggest that if you're over 21, go ahead and try these beers. If you're not, ask your parents first. Please drink responsibly. No drinking and driving. Okay, so... Uh, Don't beat your kids. It is the wild card portion of the episode. Don't beat your wife. I'm scared. A lot of news in the NFL right now. Bad news. Pertaining to bad news, children, women, etc. There's been some women news for these Buffalo Bills, too. And that, of course, being the... The ultimate demise of the Buffalo Jills. There are no cheerleaders that helped us cheer to victory against the Miami Dolphins. So as of right now, the Buffalo Bills are without a sideline diversion. So this week's wild card. They got that drum corps. All right, Suge. <laughs> Why you got to ruin everything, you got, man? You, as you're soon gonna, as we bring you onto the podcast, you, are you got to get ruin your some turn in like number two. two. So, okay, Suge, <laughs> we'll start with you. Wild card portion. If you could pick anything to be a sideline diversion, you'd pick, oh, the drum corps. Okay, great. No. Sedge, yeah. Cass, coming to you next. Done. Yeah, done deal. Okay, yeah, you shared your thoughts. Thank I you like so much. I like the drum corps. Yeah, all right, drum corps. There was Su a movie about Suge it. votes for drum corps. Yes. <laughs> Nick Cannon is hilarious. Who do you vote for 
for your... Uh, I feel like I would like to see some bozo, big top, bucket, bonanza going on. on wow. The, on the... Is it is it some some carnival games, some 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 additional entertainment? But I like that you kind of matched up the alliteration there with the Buffalo Bills, Bills with the yes. big top Buffalo Bonanza Banana. Alliteration. And it could be it could be run every single time by a, an ex Buffalo Bill. I mean, can't you see Jim Kelly out there having good time, like this, tossing like around the, the the ringleader? Yeah, literally dressing up as a clown. Yeah, dressed up as a clown. That would be appropriate. A ringleader for a guy who never got a ring. Yeah, Bill. Come oh you know. no, he didn't. <laughs> hey, I'm saying it's a new era in Buffalo Bills football. Drumline says, "Ba dum ching." A new era. <laughs> Uh, Terry Pugo loved building a stadium. Uh, uh, corporate headquarters in Buffalo. <clears throat> New Era. <clears throat> you know all I want? Drum corps? No. It's one of those, like, you know when the guy gets in that big, like, bubble suit where it's, like, it's huge, and then he just, like, ends up, like, like he eats people <laughs> on the sidelines? Yeah, no, he ends up, like, cr- like, laying down, and then he flips around, and then all of a sudden he's, like, dancing on his head. They yes. were like, "How did he do that?" There was a performance How is this guy dancing on his head. There was a performing like, uh, artist who did one of those on like America's Got Talent, and it was unbelievable. <laughs> but it's that's it's actually, a cool show. It's always very entertaining uh, watching, even though even though you know like what the guy's doing, it's like, oh, that guy's just like bouncing up and down. It's kind of fun. Well, I know you want to deride me for being creative and all, but mine's very simple. I want to deride you right now. <laughs> <laughs> God, dude, if deride means punch you in the face. Um... I want to take a play straight out of the University of Colorado, and I want to have a live bison on the sideline. And I want a big bison, maybe four, maybe five, herd of bison to run a lap around the stadium before every game at the Ralph to get the... Why don't we have that? And then take They're a big scrap on the Didn't field. Didn't we have a long discussion about how the American species. buffalo and the bison are two different things? Yeah. No, yes, they are. No, yeah. they're not. I don't no, think no. there's such a thing as American buffalo. If no. it is, it's the, it's no, just the, the bison. Ameri- American buffalo is a bison. That's what I'm saying, yeah. yeah. Okay. Buffalo. A, buff- a buffalo, buffalo is like is an African a, animal yeah. with it looks more like a yak. Yeah. I said earlier in this episode that Doug Marone has helped establish an identity for this team. I've often thought, like, why don't they show nature highlights of buffalo, excuse me, they bison. Do. Oh, they do. They do. Bison. They do. Like, in the locker room, like, gentlemen, this is your spirit animal. You see this thing? In the locker room? Yeah, yeah room, like, man. before games. Like, I would have it going on all the monitors being like, watch this thing. Are they this bringing thing- in a medicine man, too? Why, why wouldn't you? I've, <laughs> well, and I've, I'm on record that... as saying they should have exercised the grounds of Ralph Wilson Stadium, which is clearly built on an Indian burial ground long ago. What is going on in this? <laughs> <laughs> no, but because here's the thing. Most of the time, Bison's just standing it's around. Trail. Except, uh, but all they have to do is like basically nudge you and you'll go flying. Wait, have you ever seen the hunting scene from Dances with Wolves? Those Bison are not standing well, around. Well, yeah, but that's the one time. That's because somebody shot at them, okay? <laughs> Well, what do you think is happening when, in football? They even say, when the bullets are flying. Actually, yeah, but they're running away. You That's know what, the problem. You know what's ironic? They're not though? running the, at the threat. The, bu- the bu- uh, uh, buffalo, the, the, and not buffaloes, but are delicious. Buffalo Sorry. are tenacious. That's what I'm saying. And they are ferocious. And yes. nothing can bison. stop them. Bison. Except for, by the way, the disease. Wind, the winter. Wow, that's horribly ironic. The white yeah. man? Yeah. Yeah. Horribly. Or the white man. Horribly <laughs> ironic. And, and smallpox. Yeah. <laughs> this year we've instituted another new policy, and instead of doing a straight up prediction, we're giving the best case to worst case scenario of this, oh, out, of nice. this game. Mm-hmm. Um, and mm-hmm. I, I, I'm actually, so far I'm, I'm pretty satisfied with what I've had to say. 
Uh, and I'll go ahead and... I'll... Really? I am. <laughs> well, this way I don't have to predict like a 53-3 to win for Buffalo every week like I used to. Um, so I'm going to go ahead and start things off. I'm going to say worst case scenario for this team, we lose by 17 points. And that is far and away the worst case scenario I've come up with okay, this give year. Give us an actual score. So 17 point difference, and I'm saying like we we could we could lose this game like 37 to 20. I'm saying that's, that's the worst case game. scenario. Oh, okay. Points. okay. Yeah. Um, I'm saying best case scenario. Best case scenario, we get them out of their small ball. They're unable to score, and we beat them by 17, 30 to 13. I don't think there's any chance we beat them uh, by 17 points. I think best case scenario, we win this game 24 to 20. Wow. On a last second touchdown? A last second touchdown, maybe. Who knows? But, like, we, we're not going to – it's going to be a close game. Uh, worst case scenario, we lose 35 to 10. 20. 15-point difference. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, I, I mean same, so, right. Same yeah. idea. So yeah, okay. All right, Cass. They've got the chance to beat us beat us down. So obviously best case scenario is, you know, like a thirty-five to thirteen. Great. I okay. think worst case scenario wait, wait, wait. you weren't happy with that? Thirty five thirteen would be a pretty be sweet awesome. outcome. That would be that's why I said the best case scenario. But that's okay. But you threw well, when you say when you, you say best it. case scenario, that's that's you're also this, that falls under the umbrella of likely outcome or possible outcome. Okay, I think it's possible. Okay. Okay. Yeah, I mean, okay. Yeah. All right. Okay. Worst case scenario is we lose like 27 26. Heartbreaker at oh, the end. Shield goal. Do that to me, girl. Like heart wrenching, tear me apart. You Lost. see, and this is why we always have, in, always in is, play for Bills fans. This is why we have Beautiful Woman on the podcast, is because. When you asked her about worst case scenario, she said, in my heart, yeah. what is going to hurt the most? What is the worst case scenario as a fan? Yeah. Yeah. Not what's the worst way the Bills could lose, the way the literal male... Ex- well, if, but if you had joined us on either of the last two podcasts, that had that had yeah. also been no, a I'm scenario. No, I'm not proud of that. A scenario that You've already lost one of them. That's not my But no, we, we discussed that last week. Can you imagine if... Given the atmosphere oh. at the Ralph last week, I mean that was that was by far the worst case scenario last week. The uh, the final score of that game being twenty four yeah. to twenty two with them kicking a last second oh, field God. goal. I mean that would have been heart wrenching. That would have been for even for Bills fans that would maybe cement itself in the top three. I'd have to say Pegula probably just sold the team. <laughs> Listen, I haven't said a single. Like offensive coordinator, coach, anything. I Math, said nothing. It's not Pegula in my mind. Math annual. I want to say Pegula too. Um, all right. So, best case scenario. So I have been waiting for the Bills to put twenty points up on somebody. So I think for me, wait, best... we've done that each of the last two weeks. No, no, no. Sorry, uh, twenty point. Uh, oh, margin. margin. <laughs> yeah, margin. I was like, wait, have I not been watching? I'm gonna say because it's a so regular occurrence. I am going to go with best case scenario being. Uh. 33-13. Worst case scenario, I'm going to have to say, is our offense just doesn't get anything going. We score a couple field goals, two, and one touchdown in garbage time. So that's 13. 13 points. 13, and they score 35. Wow. Yeah. 
So okay. you're going to flip the script. It could go either yeah. way. And that's kind of how I said. Yeah. 17, that's the way. I mean, 17 points in either yeah, direction. Like, I back see... to the bumbling bills. And like, yeah, exactly. Blah, 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 blah. That, that, you know, like our Going defense, Houston, it would be the situation where Patrick. our defense got oh, two and two. Two. blown away um, a couple Bad. times. They have a, a score on defense because our offense is that bumbling at that moment. <laughs> It'd have to be a complete failure of our, of, our, of our offense for that score to happen. But it's so sad. <laughs> well, this has been a, a actually long and uh, rousing episode of Bills and Beers. Thank you so much for joining us. I know we've got a lot of new listeners, so thank you so much if you stayed with us this entire time. We'll be back next week and every week during the regular season and postseason, for that matter. Keep that feedback coming too. Yeah, absolutely. You got any questions? You you know you want you want some uh, some, something addressed? You want a shout out? Yeah, you can tweet us at Bills and Beers. Uh, find us on Facebook, BillsandBeers.com. We'll take you right there. Or send us an email that nobody checks. It comes to my iPad, but other than that, I don't think anybody knows we even have an email address, BillsandBeers at gmail.com, which, as I've said before, was just a way to set up a Facebook page. But we'll be back next week. You want week. me to put my balls on the table? I'll put my balls on the table. iTunes <laughs> is the best way to subscribe to our podcast. So if you're listening, great. Send it on to whomever you know in Bill's Nation who can listen the same way. Your friends, your families, your relatives, your wife, dog, doesn't matter. Praise him. Get him onto this podcast. We love talking to you every week. Hopefully you love listening to us. Make us a part of your commute every week during the regular season and postseason. We'll be back to talk about this game after the San Diego win. The round for Bill, for Cassie, for Sujit, number four, and for Jeff Day in Minneapolis. I'm Lars. Go Bills. Go Bills. The Bills, man.